0: It is a truth universally I acknowledged. I have noticed my growing resemblance. All that to is a gold does not glitter. Or to how I would die! Not all. Though I had oh, reason oh, enough in the last few you. If you want to rebel, rebel exist, from inside the system. But because they tell us that dragons. I'm your host, be Vicky from Miss Vicky's Bookcase. Let's begin our story together. Hello, I'm excited to share with you today my review for Assassin's Apprentice by Robin Hobb. Now, I have seen this book being mentioned absolutely everywhere on the internet at the moment. It's really popular, especially in the booktubers and the Instagrammers. And it's kind of really funny because this is about 26ish years old. So it's one of those that's a classic and everyone keeps saying it is the best thing since sliced bread. But I think the jury is going to be out on that one because I don't want to give my opinion right now. Otherwise, what are you going to listen to for the next, I don't know how many minutes, hopefully, not as long as I usually go. <laughs> anyway, so with Assassin's Apprentice, I thought I'd just do a quick rundown of the author because it's really interesting because Robin Hobb is an American author who of course has uh, won awards for the Realm of Elderlings series and she's also written and published extensively under the pen name of Megan Lindholm which is really interesting. And she's best known for the Farseer trilogy which is what The Assassin's Apprentice is basically all about. So if you don't know what The Assassin's Apprentice is all about just so you know It was written in 1995 and the summary goes along the lines of In a faraway land where members of the royal family are named for the virtues they embody, one young boy will become a walking enigma. Born on the wrong side of the sheets, Fitz, son of chivalry Farseer, is a royal bastard. Cast out into the world, friendless and lonely, and his magical link with animals, the old art known as the wit, give him solace and companionship. But the wit, if used too often, is perilous magic, and won abhorred by nobility. So when Fitz is finally adopted into the royal household he must give up his old ways and embrace a new life of weaponry scribing courtly manners and how to kill a man secretly as he trains to become a royal assassin. Having read that summary it kind of does not fit at all with what I read at all it is kind of mostly true but really the fact that they're talking about the wit so much it's really not as big as an influence on the book as you would think it would be from reading the back, you would think oh it's all about that and how is a training assassin and it kind of is but the wit is almost like a background thing almost, it has a big influence as to what happens but at the same time it's not It's not about that which you know is a bit weird but I suppose writing a summary for a book and trying to encompass everything is pretty hard to do. So. With the book itself it's almost like a biography of Fitz, Um, his full name is Fitz Chivalry but generally he's only spoken of the boy, the thing, the royal bastard or even just Fitz. Now this is very interesting because if you go with what it says on the summary where the member of the royal household in vibes that name that they are given so for instance chivalry is well known for being chivalrous and is very very true his personality all works around that but you kind of don't think about the fact that Fitz chivalry has chivalry in his name and it kind of does have an impact so if you are going to read this bear that in mind that you don't really see the second part of his name said very often at all very rare in fact and i think that very much emphasizes fitz's character which was a very interesting one i really enjoyed all the characters that were in this book i think that has to be one of my favorite things for it and with this book it is a kind of like biography almost of fits it's written as a first person which I'm not a fan but it it still works very well and in some ways you can see Fitz as a a little old man's soul in a child's body because he has to have that maturity because of what happens to him. He's born on the wrong side of the blanket, his grandfather on his maternal side basically takes him to the castle and just basically tells them that this is Chivalry's son, feed him. I don't want him. And his mother doesn't really come and collect him. Well, she kind of does try and stop, but it's so weak-willed that you kind of like, does she actually love the child? So you kind of feel bad for Fitz there. And the other thing is, is he's such a solemn child with it. He doesn't get very upset. He's very curious. And that's why I kind of think of him a little bit like an old man. He takes what happens to him so much better than I would say like an ordinary child. And that's not to say that Hobb has given him an adult personality in a child's body, no far from it. He just, there are some children who have what I call the old man soul or the old soul where they just are naturally quite mature and this is definitely what Fitz has. It's interesting because this does juxtaposition between his youth where he... doesn't quite understand what's going on in the world around him because of course he's six years old when this book begins and he has that perspective of a child so we're seeing everything through the child's eyes and it's very difficult actually because you kind of don't know what's actually happening at the world at large you can see Fitz's world it's narrow in the work he does for Burrich who is uh, the man that he's given to keep in keeping and like when he escapes into the town of bookkeep where he meets his friends it's very it's it's very much like you are seeing it from the child and that is all you're going to be seeing and it's very well done in that way an instance of this actually is uh, this is quite a good one this is full of spoilers by the way so if you don't want to know anything at all about this book skip to the very end of my podcast and you'll find out if i liked it or not Uh, but the example i wanted to give was the example of the incident with nosy the dog uh fitz is basically given nosy to look after and to enjoy and he forms a bond with him and this is partly why he has a problem now with this bond it's called the wit and the wit is something that is really frowned upon by nobility and people are actually killed from this because you end up sometimes giving yourself wholly over to the animal and this is where they can't retreat back into being human or they find it very difficult to retreat back into being human and so when you kinda go to animal you kinda become feral and People don't want to see this. And this is especially so with Burritch, because Burritch hates the wit. He really discourages anybody with the wit, and when he finds out that Fitz is using the wit with the dog nosy, becoming more and more one with the dog, he's extremely upset and he basically takes the dog away. And we believe that he kills the dog and it rips all the bond up and it's really upsetting, actually. That is taking away. It's very well done um, because Birch basically says, "Better the dog than the boy," which you know again gives a glimpse into Birch's character where he is seeing Fitz almost as a son, and I really like that. Of course, I'm not happy that he's done that to the dog, but still, in the end, we do find out that Birch merely sent him away because he's not a cruel man, and as a child, though, he saw that as a cruelty thing, and of course, Brooks never said that he didn't kill him, he just sent him away, he just, you know, he didn't tell him anything, and that's exactly what happens quite often, I don't know about you, but in a childhood, you're not often tell the reasoning or told what's happened, you just know something's happened. That's really well done with that perspective, and it's little things like that that happen throughout the book, which is really well written when it comes to seeing the perspective as a child and the child growing up and enlarging their views and you see Fitz's character almost developing and again it's the secondary characters that really give him excellent foils for this it's almost like there's a couple of pairs of foils so with the before we get to the foils actually I thought I'd just mention Fitz's father Prince Chivalry now at first I wasn't I was a little bit puzzled as to why he wouldn't ha- want to have his son nearby, especially as we later learned that Patience, his uh, wife, was unable to carry any children to term because it was acceptable to adopt Fitz into the household and for Patience and Chivalry to basically have him as an acknowledged son. But The excuse, of course, is given that he didn't want to upset his wife because it is a very, very upsetting thing. Eventually, Patience does actually want Fitz to come and live with them, which you find out later in the book, but Chivalry still refuses this and there is a reason why, and I'm not going to give it away because I don't want to give too many spoilers, but it is an understandable reason and it kind of makes me like Chivalry a little bit more because he's always in the background as well this is the weird thing as well he's always in the background and everyone's always comparing Fitz to him oh you look just like your father oh what did you do to your father oh i can't believe your father gave it all up because of you etc etc so it's kind of like he's always in the background always com- being compared to fitz who you know Shivery. everyone thinks because he abdicated that chivalry is the perfect one it's almost like a mary jane but he's not a mary jane because to Fitz, he abandoned him, or rather he's a father that he didn't know but he abandoned him and he never understood that really until later on which is great as you find out Fitz develops even more. This kind of leads nicely back to the foil situation with the different secondary characters, because. As I grew really fond of Fitz, he reminded me of a favourite nephew, watching him grow up, and you kind of want to fight in his corner, especially with Galen, but we'll get to him in a second, because I wanted to talk about patience as well, because she actually has a special place in my heart she didn't really care about what anyone else thought and she definitely protected her privacy fiercely and she wasn't a typical noblewoman and I like that about her because she's a little bit all over the place and kind of reminds me a little bit of me. <laughs> I'm one of those kind of people. I've, I think of patience when I think of me. And she is someone who has the heart in the right place when she kind of gets over the upset of chivalry having a son already because he wasn't married to her when he had the son so that that's one thing, that, that's fine but she wants to have Fitz to be with her and actually she argued for Fitz to come and live with them once she got over her upset and Chivalry just wouldn't say yes and you know it goes back to the reasoning which you'll find out in the book and with her as well it was she kind of like I wouldn't say she's the mother figure for Fitz but she certainly gives him a more maternal figure to look up to and he does have a great relationship with her I'm just glad that Fitz actually had some kind of more feminine relationships in there because it is very male heavy which is fine because you know he's a boy he's more often going to be in the company of men compared to women anyway and he does have a friend in Molly Nosebleed or at least that's her nickname done in the poorer section and but it's very few and far between oh other than of course the aunt's mistress that's kind of the other one because the other women didn't really have much to do with him. Anyway, I'm getting off subject, but with Patience she definitely isn't the typical noblewoman and I like that because she just does whatever she's interested in. She goes and studies plants, she learns instruments, she does different languages, and she's definitely a hoarder, which makes me laugh even more, but at the heart of it she is a kind woman, and. I like that again, we do not have enough kind people in these books, sometimes the people write characters that are just hard as nails and you kind of don't really want that. So she is a very good foil for Fitz because she and chivalry are both excellent foils to reflect onto Fitz how uh, his life is and how both of them being secondary characters influence uh, Fitz, especially as chivalry you don't even actually meet which is a really good great way because this character is off in the distance you don't ever meet him but very impactful for Fitz and it's the same with patience patience gives that excellent foil for Fitz to have a new facet in his um, growing diamond well that sounds a really bad uh, metaphor but it does give Fitz a different facet to his personality now this leads on to the other foil that I wanted to talk about and that is Galen and Birch Again, they are both great foils for Fitz and his development, however I especially dislike Galen because he's too full of airs and graces and he wants to be more than he is. Actually he acts like he is more than he is, which really annoys me, but it wasn't till the very end when I realised, well when it was kind of revealed as to who his brother was I was like, oh that makes so much sense now, I didn't even guess that. Thought was doing really well when i guessed certain things in the book but i just didn't guess this one at all but it he again is a great foil to Burrich, who is very much a father figure and he is a definite stern man you can't get away with it it's not that he's humorless or possibly but he's one of those hard men i was talking about where it's not like he wasn't unkind but he had very distinct ideas as to what fit should be and how to reflect his father, because Buraksh was devoted to his father, it's very obvious, whereas Galen, Galen, we'll just go with Galen, Galen just hates him, really, really hates him, again, because of his father, and he actually tries to kill Fitz several times, including trying to, because, I should have mentioned, Galen teaches the skill, which is kind of like a magical gift, where you can influence people, and he wants to build this group of, People that can use skill to bear down on the Red Raiders, which is, of course, part of the biggest problem in the uh, that becomes part of the book, where the Red Raiders are taking people and turning them soulless. But that's a different matter. With Galen, he... Because of something Chivalry did to Galen, he is obsessed with Chivalry and he thinks Fitz doesn't live up to it. So he tries to will Fitz into throwing himself off a wall when he failed a test and he actually drops Fitz off in the middle of a forged area because anyone who basically loses their soul actually becomes what they call forged and basically he wants him to die. kind of doesn't happen that way because every time... Fitz overcomes it Galen gets really really annoyed (laughs) that makes me so much happier I know petty of me but it's still you know it makes a difference Baruch on the other hand he he's great as a secondary character as a father figure he isn't perfect at all he's very stern he has a big blind spot about the wit and sometimes a little bit about the skill but the thing that stood out to me with Burritch, and this is again a great foil for Gallon, because Burritch isn't even related to him, and he just basically turns out to be very much a father figure, he loves Fitz, and you can see that throughout the book, even though he hates Fitz using the wit and he's determined that Fitz isn't going to use the wit, he is he doesn't really beat him. Which you know you kind of expect to be hated him, but anyway, he he is the father figure, and that's great because he fits needed that father figure because his other teacher who is called Chade, is there to teach him about how to be an assassin, and Chade is very honest and open to Fitz about this, and I like that because Chade will always tell Fitz think the information he actually needs, which is very much again to be with Burridge. So as you can tell, I really enjoyed the different characters throughout the book, it was really good, so many different characters that were very well rounded, very complex, I really enjoyed that of thing, and I also kind of enjoyed the moral dilemma that Fitz had a bit um, with becoming an assassin, He, when he agreed to it to become an assassin he was 10 and didn't really understand at all, he felt much better at doing that compared with killing for political gain, so example, Fitz was actually sent to kill the future king of the mountain kingdom and Fitz wasn't easy about this because it didn't really gain anything. Fitz was actually going as part of procession where Verity was going to marry the sister of the future king and so they were going to have connections so Fitz couldn't really see why really other than absorbing the kingdom into their kingdom for killing the prince. And Rurisk, that's the name of the uh, prince. He, he was supposed to be dying anyway from an arrow so it was put him out of misery at least that's what Fitz was told however when Fitz got there actually he was looking quite feisty he realized he'd been lied to and so Fitz was really reluctant to kill him and even more reluctant when his uncle Prince Regal told him he had to because it's felt like there was something going on that Fitz didn't know about and it was very very obvious in this entire part of the book that Fitz knew there was something but he couldn't quite figure it out. And Fitz almost loses his life from not figuring it out, kind of. He kind of got most of the information but not quite. I mean bear in mind he is 16 and he did quite a good job with trying to get around what Regal was saying and the orders that Regal were giving. So... I think kudos to Fitz for doing that. He's not an intelligent young man, but I think he needed help there definitely. And of course, none of his mentors were nearby. And I think, again, that's deliberate, especially for Chade, because if Chade had been there, then the whole situation wouldn't have happened. Of course, then we wouldn't have a story either. So I thought I'd just quickly mention, because I've realised how long I've been talking already i just quickly mentioned that the style of writing with Assassin's Apprentice, it's quite a formal type of writing, I'd almost say almost vintage, you can really tell that it is like 20 plus years old, the style of book is very formal, very classical almost, I mean it's not to say that it's a bad thing, I've really enjoyed it, but there's a distinct classic vibe and a vintage taste. I definitely enjoyed the book uh, as a whole and although I have to say sometimes I found the pacing a little bit jolty but that was okay because you're kind of seeing it from like over 10 years so you kind of expect some jolts around uh- in the writing it's not as smooth as you'd think it would be the thing that shone for me really in all honesty was the personality of fitz and all the secondary characters i think they were so well written and i really enjoyed getting to know them via the book especially as it's kind of biographical a bit on the other side of things i did get a tiny bit bored only a tiny bit it wasn't enough to put me off from reading the book far from it i definitely wanted to know what would happen in the end but i kind of Maybe the pacing was a little bit slow for me, I do tend to find I prefer fast paced books and this is a little bit slower, not slow, just a little bit slower than what I would actually like. I'd put this at a solid 3.5 stars as I was not gripped to my seat, but definitely. uh, To quote Robin Hobb herself, I liked the book. And I'd loan it to a friend, and it went everywhere in my jacket pocket or my purse until I finished it. And that is definitely the case with me. I had it with me until I finished it. Definitely worth a read. If you want to read classical fantasy, this is definitely classic fantasy. And this goes to my five words to describe the book. Now I'm going to say this one word quite wrong because I can never pronounce it. It's a Bill Dung's Roman magic, political intrigue, biographical, because it kind of is, and classical fantasy. So I hope you've enjoyed listening to how I feel about the book and whether this has inspired you to also read the book. I've really enjoyed it, so I hope you do too. And I will see you in the next podcast. Bye! Ankh-Morpork. Pearl of cities. People really are like houses. This is not... With vast rooms... And Libraries were full of ideas, perhaps the most dangerous and powerful. She delighted in the smell of the ink, the rough fill of the paper. Had commented once that Neil had a gift story for only making be enjoyed by to punch children him. is sure. not a good children's story. The minded refused to be influenced by literature and poetry.